You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. PR measurement expert Mark Weiner goes on the record online. The difficulty is with that kind of automation and artificial intelligence is that it just does not understand the nuance that's necessary in a fast-breaking situation like a crisis, like you're saying. So while the systems may be real-time in gathering content, those artificial intelligence systems cannot tell the difference between Ford makes great cars and Ford makes anything but great cars. And thank you for downloading this episode of On the Record Online, the official podcast of the 2009 Public Relations Society of America's International Conference in San Diego, November 7th through 10th. Today we have a one-on-one interview with Mark Weiner. He is CEO of Prime Research in North America. They are one of the largest public relations and corporate communications research and consulting providers. Uh, Prior to Prime, he was Global Director and Senior VP of Ketchum Research, where he led an international team of analysts, and before that, He was CEO and president of Delahaye, a uh, corporate communications and public relations research firm that I believe was founded by uh, Katie Payne, and uh, we'll have a link to her episode in the show notes as well. She's a former guest uh, of our podcast. Um, He is going to be presenting at the conference on proving the value of public relations and why so many people uh, get it wrong. He also was one of the members, along with Katie, of the Public Relations Society of America's Measurement Working Group. This was actually uh, um, um, quite unprecedented for PRSA to actually get behind um, uh, uh, and endorse the measurement message. Um, Other uh, participants on the working group were David Rockland of Ketchum, Pauline Draper-Watts, IPR Measurement Commission Chair, and uh, Don Wright of Boston University. There actually is a PowerPoint deck that they've developed called Documenting the Business Outcomes uh, for Public Relations. Um, And its intended use is quite different than um, what was uh, speculated by uh, Shell Holtz on episode number 484 of the Hobson and Holtz Report for immediate release. So if you heard about the initiative there, um, hopefully we're going to clarify what was intended with this effort uh, here in this podcast. We also talked about advertising uh, value equivalencies which, uh, according to Mark, actually do have. There, there are some good things about AVEs. And uh, we also talked about how measurement will adapt to a world where social media engagement uh, may ultimately, re- ultimately replace conventional ad-supported uh, marketing. Um, all that and more after this. Hi, this is Chris Bechtel, and I'm the Vice President of Products and Services with iPressroom. Today, we're talking about one of our core offerings, the online press room. Using iPressroom's media platform content management system, non-technical communications pros can easily upload, manage, measure, and distribute their content in a full-featured, branded online press room. See pressroom.target.com for an example. The same is available on a smaller scale as well for nonprofits, 
smaller organizations, and mid-sized companies. If you'd like to learn more, feel free to email us questions to info at ipressroom.com or visit us on the web at www.ipressroom.com slash demo. Mark Weiner, CEO of Prime Research in North America, one of the largest public relations and corporate communications research and consulting providers. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Eric. I'm happy to be here. So, Mark, you're going to be speaking at the upcoming uh, PRSA International Conference in San Diego, uh, November 7th through 10th, 2009, uh, on proving the value of public relations and why so many people get it wrong. Uh, give us a little uh, advanced tidbit about what you're going to discuss. Well, proving the value of public relations continues to be one of the profession's most vexing challenges. And organizations that are large and small, for-profit, not-for-profit, government organizations, um, agencies, you name it, the, the, the question of proving the value of public relations and how best to prove it continues to, um, to linger. So what we'll be doing in the session is providing a context to understand what we mean by value, uh, share an approach to uncovering the often secret value system resident in most organizations, and then provide uh, some case studies to help demonstrate the points. Now, Mark, I know you were also um, one of five uh, on the Public Relations Society of America's Measurement Working Group. And uh, my, my understanding is you have produced uh, this documenting the business outcomes of public relations along with David Rockland of Ketchum, uh, Paula Draper-Watts of IPR Measurement Commission, uh, Katie Payne of Katie Payne and Partners, uh, and Don Wright of Boston University. Yeah, it, it, it was an exciting um, opportunity to bring together some thought leaders uh, to share our views about how public relations impacts business. Now, I think there's a, there's a distinction that's worth ma- mentioning here. The The business outcomes paper, which is... Uh, the way it's referred to, in the way it's referred by PRSA, and which will be posted on the PRSA website, um, looks at the return on investment of public relations. And return on investment and value are different, although the terms are often used interchangeably. The business outcome paper looks at how an investment in public relations yields. Uh, business outcomes in return. In other words, it it either generates revenue, public relations driving sales or raising a stock price, uh, public relations ability to uh, drive efficiency, in other words, to do more with less, which retains resources for an organization, or uh, how public relations can help to avoid or mitigate uh, a catastrophic catastrophic cost. So those are... Those are um, Measurable business outcomes that, in other words, impact the company's bottom line. Proving the value, proving the value is slightly different because, while return on investment is a financial term, it's quantitative, it's very well defined. Value is subjective, and that's the difficulty of proving the value of public relations: is that values change, not just from organization to organization, but from person to person within the same organization. So. Uh, proving the value of public relations means uncovering the secret value system that resides within 
the organization and then helping to align it in ways that um, promote public relations' unique uh, capacity for uh, for providing value. Now, I actually spoke to Katie Payne about this program, and uh, just to set it up for listeners um, and to debunk any uh, misunderstanding that may be out there, the objective of this exercise is to equip people in public relations with a very simple, very succinct deck that has the business outcomes and the value of PR, which they can then present to clients or to management or to stakeholders to build the business case for public relations. So the objective was not to you know, do something brand new or, or, or put a stake in the sand for any new type of measurement, but rather offer up you know, the best of what exists now um, in a very succinct, concise fashion. Uh, because the truth is, you often have a limited amount of time with the people who control the purse strings to make the argument. Um, yes, go ahead. You had a thought. Well, I, I, yeah, that's that's accurate. So our our purpose was to, was uh, to provide new ways of thinking based on experience and the collected expertise of the uh, authors. We 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 were purposefully not recommending a particular method or a particular uh, company or service provider. It was about sharing best thinking and, and approaching these uh, questions about how public relations can uh, have an impact on the business. So I think it's, it's really helpful as a conversation guide for public relations people uh, when speaking with one another to frame the conversation as well as to uh, help frame the conversation with executives who uh, are looking for public relations to deliver some kind of business outcome, but those executives very often don't know enough about PR to make any kind of, to provide any direction themselves, and to help public relations people who want to drive business outcomes, but very often don't know enough about uh, the research or about business outcomes and PR's ability to affect those outcomes uh, to to make that happen, but it brings everybody into the same circle. If you look at um, you know the business or the roster of PRSA's members, and this is actually something I was talking to Katie about, it's very broad. And I've actually been in situations as well where I've been you know teaching a course, and someone will say, "Oh, I do this niche activity, and you know this doesn't apply to me what you're teaching," uh, because because of the broad nature of PR. Uh, I'd be interested to know, you know, what what advice can you give those of us? Because I mean, it's something you're doing. You're traveling all over the country, all over the world, meeting with clients who are trying to um, um, trying to uh, produce different outcomes. How do you come up with a set of measure, measure, met, metrics that works for everybody? Well, I think. Um, well, let me offer this. I, you're right. I do travel around the world. This year, I've. Um, given presentations like like what we're doing on the phone but in 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 lecture settings uh, in Australia in Slovenia across the US and western Europe and the questions are common questions it's not as if the US and what's interesting to me is that in those countries they assume that the that PR practitioners in the US have this all figured out and in fact it's it's the most common a question around the world among public relations people, and I think the the, the while trying to 
um, uh, create a lexicon of public relations measurement and research and evaluation is important. I think it's also really important for uh, for those of us who practice public relations to have some kind of common definition of what public relations is and what it's not. So, uh, uh, and as much as the Public Relations Society of America has provided guidelines for defining public relations, I think that in practice, public relations takes many forms. Um, but, but what I would suggest to you is that research and evaluation measurement has a place in business. And the language of business is data. We in public relations tend not to think of our work in terms of data, but when we can translate uh, our public relations performance through data to internal clients and external clients, uh, in that language, the likelihood of them of their being able to understand what we do and the impact of what we do is greatly enhanced. You know, it's funny, one of the other uh, speakers, uh, actually one of the keynotes at the PRSA International Conference, which is in San Diego on November 7th through 10th, is uh, former uh, White House Economic Policy Advisor Todd Buckholz, and I was interviewing him for this podcast. I'll have a link in the show notes. And I asked him if he thought that um, uh, that communicating through data was inherently more objective than through language. And I had uh, I would I thought I was setting him up to say, yeah, of course, people believe the numbers. But what he said to me was very interesting. He said, you know, when you see just uh, how these statistics are produced, often, you know, they're, they're, they're done so in a misleading fashion by government. <laughs> he actually said um, that th- it's, it's not uncommon for the Commerce Department to get the GDP wrong, uh, you know, obviously a metric that drives, you know, trading in the markets, only to come back six months later and say, no, it wasn't up to two points, it was flat. So, you know, I, obviously, you know, th- there is... Uh, the same um, uh, vulnerability with uh, with data as there is with language. No, oh, absolutely. And I and I, I know that data can be manipulated as well as anything else can be manipulated. But what I would suggest is, if in the true spirit of public relations, the data is presented in a way that is transparent in terms of methodology and intent, and um, that the, the the likelihood of that data being manipulated or misinterpreted is minimized. Uh, the other thing that I would suggest, though, is that by by communicating PR performance in words, which is more the more comfortable domain for most PR people, what I what I'm really suggesting is something more specific, which is, um, for example, when I've judged Silver Anvil Awards and other major PR awards programs. Over the years, what I see are I see a language of public relations that's being used to uh, you know to to help win an award for what the applicant uh, believes to be a program that's the best of the best. You know, the only people who uh, assume I assume the people who are submitting those awards consider their work to be special, and that's why they think it's award worthy. And yet. I can speak on behalf of the judges that probably 30% or more of those applications are eliminated uh, prima facie because in areas where the uh, awards criteria require 
specific answers that are more data-oriented, like what the objectives of the program were and the impact of the program in terms of its results. Uh, the applicants choose language that is deliberately vague, or maybe, maybe uh, not deliberately, but uh, very often it's purposefully vague. So when I say that the language can be misleading, what I mean is uh, when I see objectives that say things like deliver significant media buzz, you know, there's no common definition for what buzz is, and I don't know when something goes from being insignificant to significant. Um, there's a lot of that kind of language that I think obfuscates um, both the objectives and the performance of the program. Now, interestingly, because uh, I've noticed this for years, and any PRSA Silver Anvil judge will tell you the same thing, but I was having a conversation with an agency president, who, and I mentioned this, and he said that he would rather... Uh, uh, avoid. Uh, he would. He would. He was willing to forego being a proven success in exchange for never being labeled a proven failure. So his agency deliberately and purposefully sets vague objectives that can never be. Um, so that he can never be a proven failure. I think that's the kind of thinking that uh, d that d diminishes public relations generally, and certainly in, in demonstrating its ability to drive business outcomes. We're talking to Mark Weiner. He's the CEO of Prime Research in North America. It's one of the largest public relations and corporate communications research and consulting providers with offices worldwide. Uh, let's talk for a minute about uh, advertising value equivalency, because mm -hmm. I know there still is a large portion of our industry looking at the ad equivalent value to assess the business case for public relations. Um, <laughs> talk to us, if you would, about the, the, the pros and the cons of that approach. Okay, thank you. And, and you're right, it's a, it's a polarizing topic where some people are absolutely unequivocally against it in ways that uh, suggest it's some form of heresy or professional malpractice. Other people um, have found it to be a useful way to communicate PR performance to managers who, uh, who who may not really understand public relations. What I would and what we're talking about is applying a dollar value for the amount of space that a, a public relations a media mention may uh, occupy. So the cost of that thirty second spot where they're talking about your product, or the six column inches that discuss your brand promotion in a magazine and how much it would have cost had you purchased that amount of space or time. Um, I, I'm more of a moderate, uh, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Uh, I think in, the, in an effort to prove the value of public relations, one has to understand the value system in which they're operating. If so, if my, if my boss, who controls my raise, my performance evaluation, everything, insists on advertising equivalency, I think I would be foolish to, to, to refuse to do it, to take that kind of position. What I would suggest instead is that I can continue to provide that measure while introducing more meaningful measures. I, I, and so, in other words, do I think that, um, like in the case of business outcomes, you, I don't think you'll even see the, the reference to advertising equivalency, because I think the most meaningful measures of public relations have to do with business performance, sales, stock price, employee engagement, customer loyalty, those kinds of uh, measures that really translate to the business. 
that value doesn't do that. But it may be where uh, management is comfortable for the time being. So I think it's important to continue to provide them with measures that, with which they're comfortable while helping them evolve towards more meaningful measures like the kind we're talking about. The other point I would make about advertising equivalency is that um, I've seen it work in, in meaningful business ways that cannot be explained in any other way. So, for example, um, in, in, the, in the business case uh, presentation, I, re- I refer to studies in which I've um, used advanced statistical analysis to show the impact, quantifiable impact of public relations on sales uh, uh, when compared to advertising and price promotions and mass market advertising, the whole gamut of market in the marketing mix. And what I found is that many of the measures that drive PR performance have a place in, in the advertising value equation. So, for example, an advertising equivalency is higher when the story is bigger, whether it's you know, longer minutes, more minutes, more column inches. Uh, that drives ad value. It also drives awareness and recall among readers and viewers. When um, the story has a photograph, or, the, or there's a visual, that's also something that'll drive ad value because it increases the size of the story and that equates to the, to the value. Uh, that also drives impact uh, in terms of awareness and recall. So what I, what I'm, I guess what I would suggest is that advertising value becomes less meaningful when you put the dollar sign in front of it. But as a metric that uh, in a way uh, consolidates some awareness and recall-driving elements, it can be useful. Well, according to another one of the keynote speakers that's lined up for the PRSA International Conference in San Diego, November 7th to 10th, Bob Garfield, who's an advertising industry pundit Mm -hmm. and who's been hosting a show on NPR called uh, On the Media uh, for uh, many years with uh, his co-host Brooke Gladstone, says, um, you know, the, the fabled symbiosis between advertising and media is um is on a collision course with uh with 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 dire doom and he predicts uh that an entire industry will in fact collapse um that uh network television is right behind uh, the newspaper business uh with respect to uh you know meeting its fate and being somewhat unsustainable um and we also talked about the concept of crowdsourcing um and he, he sort of defined that, I thought, quite aptly as the aggregation of the wisdom of the crowd. <clears throat> and I wonder, um, as we shift towards um, social media engagement uh, as a way of communicating with stakeholders and, and the use of websites as a primary stakeholder relations channel, what measurements do you think will arise uh, to build the business case for for these types of activities? Well, let's see, I'm thinking three things at the same time. The first thing, uh, coincidentally, today, in today's news, I saw it on Yahoo News, but I think it came from, might have come from Business Week, a story identifying 10 companies likely to become bankrupt in the short term. And what struck me was that one was an advertising holding company, whose name you'd recognize. One was a major American retailer whose name you'd recognize, and the other was a med- major uh, American broadcaster. So all of those tied to the same 
the same trend that uh, that you're that you're mentioning. I think uh, in answering your question though about how we will come to terms with um, defining and monetizing social media is going to come for, for public relations and for the rest of the market uh, rest of um, the marketing communications world will come in a way that will resemble what happened with television in the early 60s where television was an emerging medium and advertisers had no common uh, system for monetizing or valuing time, advertising time on TV. Nielsen filled that gap. And while uh, it may be imperfect and every few years some new competitor appears that's going to be better than Nielsen, they haven't been toppled yet. And while it may have imperfections, it still is a standard. Uh, the difficulty that I see with social media is that there is no standard yet. So whether advertising values are legitimate or not, the process that Nielsen uh, and the rigor that Nielsen brought to television was to uh, to come up with standards for audience, uh, for breaking up day parts, in way and 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 thereby creating a, a, a value system by which advertising could be bought and sold. That doesn't seem to have happened in a on a broad scale yet for social media. I think when it does, uh, that will be um, a watershed moment. In the meantime, what we can do with social media is to look at the measures that we that we can track. So, for example, advertising value does not work for social media, so that's, that's almost a moot point whether you love it or hate it. Uh, audience is a difficult measure to apply to social media because it does, it's just not the same as mass media that we're used to um, measuring. But what we can look at is the content and the, um, and the sentiment that's represented through that content and the trends that that, um, that, that content represents in terms of uh, trending positively or negatively or focusing on key issues, either emerging issues or uh, more mature issues. There's a way to monitor that. And that's, that, for example, is how Prime approaches it. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to manually interpret that sentiment. And the challenge, it seems to me, is when you get into trouble, when there's a crisis, when things erupt quickly, and you have the, the passions and emotions of the entire world erupting on the Internet, how do you possibly interpret that sentiment quickly? Well, um, that's a good question. A few, a few things come to mind. One is that... Um, Prime, for example, uses technology-aided uh, monitoring and content analysis software. So it's still humans making determinations, final determinations, but automation can help uh, sift through content to help make that process more manageable. How? Because what, you would need artificial intelligence to be able to pull well, that off. That's true. And... While some companies are claiming that they have achieved that, uh, it, it's, not, it's not where it needs to be, especially in critical situations like you're describing. The difficulty, I don't want to digress too much, but the difficulty is with, with that kind of automation and artificial intelligence is that it just does not understand the nuance that's necessary in a fast-breaking situation like a crisis, like you're saying. So while the systems may be real-time 
in gathering content, those artificial intelligence systems cannot tell the difference between Ford makes great cars and Ford makes anything but great cars because they're using like word combinations that um, that it can't the, all the words are present but they have very different meanings. So what we, that's one piece of it is that speed is an, is one element and. Um, and this um, computer-aided technology, this computer-aided content gathering and content analysis can help as a preliminary step. Eventually, or very quickly, people have to get involved because only people can interpret what those what that content means. The second part of your question, after speed, is accuracy, and I think that's the, that was the second part of your question. And um, people are more accurate than computers; may not be more consistent but are more accurate over time. Uh, and then the final piece is, is one of um, knowing how much content is required to know which way the wind is blowing. So the difficulty in, in the situation you're posing where there's a crisis is that there's a flood of social media and a flood of traditional media, and you know how do you make sense of that in order to do something? Well, there's a point at which you learn incrementally less and less from each blog posting, each uh, newspaper article, each broadcast, uh, whatever form. Um, and then you know which way the wind is blowing, and then you, start, then you can take action. You, you don't need to read every story, every posting, every social media item to know that you are in a crisis and what that crisis is about. It, so in other words, it, at the moment of crisis, when that crisis really blows up, um, if, a, if you're looking at a, a research company to tell you that the crisis has erupted, I'd be, I'd be kind of surprised by that. But what the research company can tell you is uh, what kind of messages are being communicated, where the emphasis seems to be, whether there's any regionality or particular orientation to what's being posted so that you can have the tools you need in the interim to navigate intelligently. Mark Weiner, CEO of Prime Research in North America, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. 